So I actually looked for a space that they were doing a clientele that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And because they were doing a clientele that I wanted to have, they were really big on education. And I knew that that's something that I needed because I was just in this black space. So that's kind of how I transitioned. I mean, I still have black clients, um, but majority of my clientele is white. My name is Chastity Stevenson. I've been doing hair for over 11 years. As you know, a woman's hairstylist means more to her than just doing her hair. Over the years, I've put my therapist skills to the test. The salon is a place not only for personal venting, but also for discussion of current events amongst a community of women. So if this chair could talk, this is what it would say. We have very similar careers in that our clientele doesn't look like us. So that in itself is what jumps it out at me most and then i know there are other areas that we can totally go into like representation and so just being in a space where you can operate with so many different people i feel pretty blessed to um be able to relate to and and get the confidence and respect of people of all communities and cater to them and whoever walks through the door so that's kind of just being asked to be in this space today, this conversation is pretty amazing because I feel like I've almost crossed over a threshold that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to or feel bold enough to make that step for some reason. Right. But I think it can only just strengthen you if you come from a place of being the strongest business person that you can be too when you only cater to certain little pools. Um, you're cutting off streams of income and like quality experiences that you can have uh, just to grow your own business. So. I was also going to touch on like, you know, black owned businesses, only supporting black businesses. Like I've had some pretty gnarly experiences when it comes to being overlooked for jobs just because of the way I look. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to say about this topic. How, the re right. how that reverse effect can sure. come into play. Elaine, what about you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, at first I started thinking about myself in these situations because me, someone, a black woman with curly hair, I wanted to go to a nice salon that they could cut my hair and probably color it, but mostly cut. And I felt like when I went into uh, black salons, specifically the ones that I went into, one, they were not educated enough for what I wanted, and two, I don't like the weight. So two of my main things that are pet peeves for me, which is why I currently work in the space that I work in. And I'm not saying that you know they're not nice black salons, because they are. I have several friends that own wonderful black salons. Mm -hmm. But me personally, growing up, it was very hard for me to find someone to do my hair. And then when I want to go to a nice salon, there's no one there to do it. So. I was like, okay, this is time for me to move because I first started doing black hair when I came out of school. And I felt like I was doing myself a disadvantage mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn about all hair, mm -hmm. but I needed the clients. Right. And I didn't have the clients. Right. I'm like, where, are I gonna, where am I going to find these white people? Right. Like, hello, where, where, where are they going to go? Right. So I actually looked for a space that they were doing a clientele that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And because they were doing a clientele that I wanted to have, they were really big on education. And I knew that that's something that I needed because I was just in this black space. So that's kind of how I transitioned. I mean, I still have black clients, um, but majority of my clientele is white.
that's interesting you say that because um, my journey um, when choosing where I wanted to work or the type of stylist I want to become, I tell my clients all the time, I was a client before I was a hairstylist. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of how I build my business is based on how I would want to be treated or serviced, you know, however you want to say it. But um, starting out, I decided to go to a traditionally white cosmetology school. I went to Aveda. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also knew that when I graduated, I wanted to give my clients a different experience than the one I experienced growing up as well. So I sought out what I wanted that to be, which was a white salon. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the environment, not necessarily um, the skill set, because I knew I was the skill set. But like you said, the education, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the benefit, it just it was always packaged differently than traditionally um, is done in black salons. And uh, on the flip side of that, I know one of um, the girls that trained me, I remember walking in and her name is Greta. I love Greta to death. But Greta was the palest white girl you had ever seen. She was tatted up from, you know, she had full sleeves on both arms, wore, you know, her red lipstick and had like the pinup girl bangs, Mm -hmm. like very intimidating. (laughs) And I'm like, no, Greta can't cut my hair. Like, I just like, (laughs) I don't think Greta is the stylist I want trimming my bangs, you know, whatever. But Greta was the stylist that was a part of the education team. And I credit Greta to this day of giving me the talent or helping me hone in on, you know, my skill set because I judged Greta based on how she looked and I just didn't think that, you know, for my clients that, you know, it would translate. But um, hair is hair and skin is skin. You know, if you know how to, you know, your color theory, you know, whether it's in hairstyling or makeup um, artistry, you can work with skin. It's not, ba- or you can work with hair. It's not necessarily specific to someone's race. Correct. And that is something that I had to learn early on. And before I left Louisiana, there was not a single person I would let touch my hair besides Greta. Mm-hmm. You know, she, nobody, I wouldn't trust anybody because she taught me that hair is, is hair and is universal. And I think that's where a lot of, I will say, um, us as black stylists can tend to sell yourself short on the education side because we absolutely um, we, we know how to do the basic stuff but usually in black schools and in training um, the technical stuff is not really there so um, I kind of I while I was judging one per you know one situation I was also you know trying to put myself in a uh, situation where I would um, be a better stylist down the line and mm-hmm. learn something from, you know, the cultures. And another thing I always say is everybody, everybody's money is green. Amen. And so I would be selling myself short by, you know, excluding certain races or, you know, certain, there are certain styles I don't do. And right. I mean, that can come in all different mm-hmm. colors. But um, the on the flip side of that, when I came to Charlotte, you know, being a stylist, I never worked in a traditional salon setup. I was always in a suite. And um, one experience that really sticks out to me is where I had a lady come down. Uh, at the time, I was the only still the only black stylist in that uh, space. A lady came down from obviously another one of the white stylists, and she asked. She was she was like, um, "Hi, so and so sent me down to talk to you." I, um, I, and she was stuttering and I was like, she didn't know you were black. She knew I was black, but she was trying to tell me that she has a black kid. 
And so it became where I was like the black whisperer, like the black (laughs) for that space, because anytime I guess they didn't, you know, know or didn't particularly want to service something they weren't familiar with, they would send them down to me. Mm -hmm. But one, what stuck out more than that was that she didn't know how to say it. I think she didn't know whether to say African-American or to say black or mixed. It was just an intimidating situation. For her child? For her to speak about her child. Now, I further learned um, as we continued to talk that her child was 26 years old. And so she had been intimidating, intimidated or afraid to speak or seek help, I would say, for that long. Um, and, and I think it was just that maybe she was always in an environment where there was not another black person to ask or to speak to or be referred to. So that was why I felt like from both from a a provider perspective and also from the client side that race plays a major role in our beauty, in our industry. So so true. It's it's just crazy. Um, What would you say um, from a client perspective, some of the things you've experienced, um, Alyssa? I would say... When it comes to hair and makeup, there's many differences. There's also a lot of similarities, too. And when it comes to clients seeking out a service that they need or products that really work for them, it's still a struggle, hair or makeup. And I started in a counter retail space, so anybody who walked up, I had to help. And I had to maximize an opportunity and create the best experience possible. And I still take that approach to this day in my own uh, freelance makeup career, which caters to any special occasion, photo shoot, wedding, whatever it is. Um, what I've noticed is there's, I, I, I literally call it a PTSD when clients come through and they're, they're nervous and they're all kind of like tight. And their body language is very reflective of some previous experiences that did not pan out mm-hmm. so well. And it could be that prom makeup was horrible or the wedding day even itself. They'll say, I wish you were there that day. And it's, it's something that, I know some hairstylists and make this creative industry. We joke that we're therapists, mm-hmm. and I think it's no, we are, and we it's are, not a joke. We are. It isn't a joke. <laughs> That's it, we it's, are. We are that un, unseen best friend. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe they come through every month or you know once a season for the event, whatever it is. There's this, there's this experience that we have to tap into and then change. Mm-hmm. So I find that extremely gratifying when a client comes through just like that to kind of make this something to be excited about and not something to be nervous about. And when they're coming through for a photo shoot that the biggest element that's stressing them out is the makeup and them matching and them looking like their best self. So it's- Do you ever feel like you have to prove yourself to them as a white girl as if they're a black client that even though they sought you out? Sure, and it still happens. It's not not as frequent Mm -hmm. as it once was. And I think that's all in, how you carry yourself when you start to master your craft and get that experience you the verbiage kind of falls into place too for yourself where and also you're you're not as insecure as not having as much experience in that wide range of folks to where you you can't even find the words to explain how you you can trust me it's okay Mm -hmm. like sometimes you just have to show them so i don't even battle as much with the words anymore but gaining trust is a big part of what we do especially in the space that we're working but it's it's so satisfying, you know, when you can really just take what they had before and completely flip it 
and make it something that they can now achieve themselves. They know where to go, or maybe we give them a little bit. I'm big on educating. I know you are as well, where you like to tell them where they can go to find what they need for themselves personally. So it's really just reading your client the best mm-hmm. you can, regardless of color or anything like that. Yeah. You know, speaking to that individual. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, lay it I out. Have, I, got, I, have lay back, it I have to out. get back on race because, you know, that's what we're talking about. Right. You know what I'm saying? And for me personally, I had an issue. When I was doing hair, white people didn't want to come see me because they didn't think that I knew what I was doing. However, I've been blessed to have all referrals so people know my work. Um, which has been a blessing. But when I went into that salon as a client, not having anyone there that knew about my hair, knew how to blow out my hair or anything, that was the reason why I went into those spaces to train people that didn't look like me on how to do our hair because they didn't know how. Mm -hmm. So for 22 years later, I'm looking at what the space looks like now by being like you said, the only black stylist. And when somebody walks in, they want to give the black person to you. Uh, No, 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 no. We're going to train everyone in here. To do everything. Exactly. And And that's That's what we're going to do. The problem is why are we so afraid to get out of the comfort zone, to educate ourselves? Because we've been burned. Right. We've been been burned. It goes back for makeup. Specifically, I didn't want to go to someone that didn't look like me because I have, and they made me look like somebody that looked like them. I'm like, that's not my color foundation. Right. So to me, it's trust. And on the same token, I've gone to a black person that... I don't know who they made me look like, but it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. And, and I've had, you know, I've gone to a, I remember going, because this was a couple of years ago here in Charlotte, and I just didn't feel like doing my hair. And so I was like, I'm going to go to, I'm not going to say a place. It was a like a place I shouldn't have gone let me just say that but I really just, I just wanted somebody to wash my hair and blow it out I really didn't really care if it was perfect oh God, I was yes. like I can fix it and I remember um they I asked I said do you have anyone that knows how to do ethnic hair I asked for that first so question that's what I wanted because <laughs> I just didn't feel like going through uh teaching someone so to speak and I they gave me her name and it was a black name, so I was like, Bone well, Quisha. I'm good. Quisha gonna get me together. I already know I ain't got nothing to worry about. So I go in, and I won't drag it out, but we got to the uh, blowout, and she was about to press it out, and she cut the dryer off, and I'm like, my hair is still very wet. Mm-hmm. And I, it ended up being a coaching session from step to Every step time. to step. And she looked like me. Yep. So it's... It's it is it does more so happen you know and you know usually we're good with people that look like you usually but it's not across the board mm-hmm. and so I think that's the stigma is that you know oh she's gonna be good if she looks like me which and is that's not true not true it's not true right but don't you hate going into a salon and you have to teach them oh absolutely and you feel bad because you're like you know what this is something I'm supposed to do. Because I go into salons all the time, and I'm like, okay, you are, you look like me. I like me. to not even let them know I'm a stylist because I don't exactly. even want Exactly. But you can't help it because you don't want to leave looking like a crazy person. Right. Right. That's true. Have you ever had your makeup done 
Well, you probably always did your own makeup. That's <laughs> the mind you get what, dumb question, huh? I am huh? so far deep in my comfort zone of doing my own face. I know. It would be... I, I would feel really bad for anybody in the future who I ask. I can't help that. Not even like um, a celebrity says that like that's your favorite, you know, Instagram oh, oh, influencer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a okay. list. I have a list. It's like a Are any of them list. black? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I was when, before we Yeah. You know what's so who great? Is it? I was saying there's Nick Posley, okay. there's Mally Magic, okay. there's um who else is there? Um Sam Fine, he does yeah, Beyonce. Beyonce yeah. I mean I, of course, recall is yeah. in the moment. Yeah. But I was thinking about how the post, the example that you gave, right? Mm -hmm. So of uh, a white uh, hairstylist out there that has um, a conflict with with realizing the fact that representation is an issue when it comes to black hairstylists. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the makeup industry, it's pretty diverse up there. Mm. As far as... Um, Thinking about all of these icons right now, Missy Elliott, like all of these icons that we have, there's a range of people catering to other people, which I think right. is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's always opportunities, always, but it's refreshing to at least look there and be like, you know what? I, I There's like five in my, and, and they're at the top of mm -hmm. who I would be honored for them to grace my face. Uh, but me personally sitting down in the chair has not happened in a, a many, many moves. Lucky you, girl. Many moves. Lucky you. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> I tell you, it's hard out here. It's hard out here. And what I will say about, you know, teaching, especially uh, in a salon and you're the only black person, it's not necessarily that people of another race don't know how to do the hair. They don't know how to approach it. Like, they have the technique but they don't know how to approach mm. it because they don't know what it's going to look like. It's oh, is she going to be, yes. Straight out She's going to be upset with me. Like, I, I've never done it before. And, yes, it's a different texture, but you just have to approach it differently. Right. That's the thing. But if we don't get some people out here to learn how to blow out with a round brush, I'm, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I'm going to be upset. round people. Yeah. So, so round people. That's what you want to say. <laughs> It's true. And I mean, I can, I, I, not too long ago, I got a call. So um, moving into the curly hair space mm -hmm. has really, really diversified my clientele. And I can recall, like it was yesterday, I got a call from um, someone. And as most of my clients know, I don't take calls. Mm -hmm. um, typically, everything's done online. And, you know, if we do, I'll schedule a consultation. But I don't know why I picked up the phone this day. I don't know why I did it. Maybe I just had a... A few moments and I answered. And the um, lady said, um, hi, is this Chastity? And I said, this is Chastity. And she said, I was calling um, to see about getting a diva cut. Um, I said, okay, absolutely. And she said, are you African-American? And I was taken aback because I'm like, I thought what we were calling about, yeah. And she, and I said, I am. And so I could tell that, you know, that's probably not what she wanted to hear, but we continued on and I just told her, you know, this is how, this is what the process is, this is the price, this is how you schedule. Um, but after I got off the, off the phone with her, the first thing that came to mind is because I'm listed on the website, a lot of people call me because of the refer, uh, the reviews that I've got. Mm -hmm. They don't know what I look like, they don't know what type of hair I do. Mm -hmm. um, but all I could think is that you called me because from what you read and what you researched that I'm the best in this zip code that you put in, should, mm -hmm. should I say. It shouldn't matter what I look like or, um, you know, 
what you think I'm comfortable with or to me it was like you called me because I'm good and I just did to me I, I would have rather her ask you know well I've had people say well do you do like fine wavy hair or you know do you do pixie cuts things like that that are more technical mm -hmm. about the integrity of the hair or the um, characteristics but I just I, I felt some type of way that you know she was based on whether she was going to come to me when she had a comparison of what my credentials you know were mm -hmm. um, granted she probably didn't google and you know maybe was she white she was definitely white Oh. But she wanted to know first what my race was, and I never saw her oh. again. I mean, I've never heard from her again. I never saw her. So I know for a fact she based it off of, you know, she, no matter what I had done to, you know, earn the stars that I had, it just wasn't going to work for her because I was black. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and it's unfortunate for her because I think that in, in other areas, like you, you miss out. So, I mean, even like with me being a client of yours, Alyssa, like I think that, you know, if I would have said, oh no, you know, she's a white girl and say I didn't have Instagram and know that you had experience with people that look right. like me, I, you know, would probably still be trying to find someone that is as creative as you are. And I know there are people out there, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I base it off a of location and, you know, schedules that work with mine, you know, because typically right. we have the same off days or things like that. So I just thought that, you know, how can we bridge the gap and kind of make that stigma go away or not be as much of a deciding factor when it comes to who you a service or you know seek out as um, a service provider what are some thoughts what are your thoughts on that you know, I feel like you know the conversations like these mm -hmm. conversations like these are needed um, but also I'm a really big proponent on education education in the, the beauty industry mm -hmm. and I have to say going to that salon I was at that salon for 17 years the education was he paid for everything when I started in black salon they didn't want to pay for anything that I'm like I just got out of school I don't really know what I'm doing and the fact that he trusted me and said you know what I believe in you this is what I want to do and that man didn't look like me I mean he was Persian but he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself and was educated. So I look back and, you know, now, new school, you have YouTube. You have all these things that, you know, they think that it's taken away from our industry, but it's not because nobody can do what I can do. No one can do what you can do. No one can do what you do. But at the end of the day, when you educate yourself on this industry, you won't have any, you won't have any problems. Would you say that um, maybe not throughout your 17 years, but was there ever a time where um, he may have seen, like, not only that you were an asset, but, Absolutely. like, the finances that, you know, because, see, see we get our hair done uh, on a weekly basis Correct. for most of us. So even though our salons may not be um, always on the same level as far as environment and education and things like that, we spend a lot, black people, black women, spend a lot of money in getting their hair done. In the beauty industry mm -hmm. in general, but hair is a major thing. So one thing that I experienced when I worked in Louisiana, and I was the only white girl. Um, black we worked, girl. 
Black girl. I'm sorry, black girl. That's a white Ooh, girl. Ooh, uh-uh. We got to edit that out. I was the only black girl with white girls. We had um, we worked on we had incentives in order to you know make higher commission, and so a lot of those things were based off of product sales, mm-hmm. um, retention, um, pre booking, things of that nature. Well, I would never meet some of those goals because we're not buying the products. Like, and I had to break it down to her is that. Listen, I'm bringing in this amount of money. So it's not, why is my commission scale only based on, you know, these things? And so when I broke it down to her and I told her, I said, would you rather my client that's coming in paying $70 to get a blowout and straighten to, that's coming four times a month, buy this $40, $50 bottle of shampoo and not come back for six weeks? And when you do the math, she understood that. But it was not ever um, a conversation she ever had to have. But she knew that I want you to keep on working here and I want you to keep on, you know, making the hitting the marks that you're making. But um, I knew she made those changes, not not because she didn't believe in me, but for her business. It was necessary. Like she it it, money. It made it made sense. Right. Right. So um, I do think that that was a big um it played a big role in why she chose to like you know make those changes and the investment so i guess i was asking like you know he listened to you but he also saw the benefits that you know were in it for him yes they started on that but when you think about it i had to start all over again Mm -hmm. as an assistant after doing hair, to me, four years was a long time for yes. me. I'm like, listen, I've been doing, you know, the Shanika shades and Bonquishas and everything. Like, that's when roller sets <laughs> and relaxers. Now, I don't, I haven't done a relaxer in so long, I don't even remember the last night. Roller set? What is that? Mm-hmm. I have not done those things. What I will say is he believed in me because I told him that I wanted to do the other side. I said, I want to learn and I want you to teach me how to use a round brush. I want you to take me to these classes. So when he was spending his money, I mean, I was making money for the salon because I was an assistant. So mm-hmm. I was right, right then I was hourly. So I'm bringing in all this money for the salon. Yes, you're gonna pay for these classes. So it's not like I wasn't doing him a service as well. Right. It's just that he, they didn't do that for me in the previous salon that I worked in. They didn't say, you know what, Elaine, let's get you uh, invested in this. Let's invest in you. They didn't want to do that. That's the key word. And I wanted to be invested in, and that's why I was so loyal. Mm-hmm. That is key. Yeah. Investing. And on a cellular, cellular level of what you do, what I'm hearing that's similar for both of us is that keeping humble and always being a student and putting education first mm-hmm. and learning because what we're, what we're working with is so diverse. There's such a, such a spectrum. You can't get comfortable. And you even in the beginning when you start working with a different – complexion or hair type you have to be able to be willing to learn and you know what I've had experiences with clients it's still to this day every once in a while where it it, I didn't hit the mark all the way not a hundred percent we're a little bit off it's a learning experience you have to be able to listen to your client to what they want and client relationship that's a whole nother level I think when you're building that comfort from where we're confidence, standing yeah. and that confidence and then what becomes respect and then they come back and my business is based on referrals where you know if yes. your friend is comfortable then she's going to tell her other mm-hmm. friend and That's it's right. from there and I'm grateful for the platform that Instagram is that it gives us that visual so they can see what I want represented of what I do it's like a, a digital gallery portfolio there and I make sure I post 
everybody, every color in between so that you know you can come through and you've already seen that I can do that. So the, the shock value isn't there as much, but you don't. No. For you don't use for what, makeup? Instagram? I don't use it for, look, for makeup. For my, for you. Everything. you were an actual referral for me. So when they well, referred me. yeah. I started looking, mm -hmm. but yeah. for me myself, you can't go to my Instagram and, and even think that I do hair. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? They're like, she does hair. I guess I do. And I kind of <laughs> am similar in that way. I mean, obviously, I have two separate ones. I keep them separate because I like to, you know, do you know other <laughs> things on my personal. And I like to. I mean, I even have two cell phones, so I mean, I keep them separate. Yes. Um, but on my business page, you won't find just a bunch of hairstyling. Um, that's just not my preference. Now, I have a little highlight, and you can check out my deep cuts. And that's what I send people when they're like, can you do this? Type? And it's a rainbow of textures. But um, when I am looking for someone, I know that's kind of not even fair, but I do yes, want to is. see. <laughs> I, I want to see, you know, what, especially when it comes to makeup. Because, um, like I say, even within, um, you know, black and makeup artists, it's just it's a style it's mm -hmm. a style that an aesthetic that i prefer that doesn't mean it's better or worse it's just different and i just want someone that aligns with that and that's what mm -hmm. i wish that from a client perspective if we could align that more and kind of take the color out of it because you you really will sell yourself short you know um uh, you might you might miss out on an amazing opportunity or experience right. with someone and um I just think it, like she said, it comes with like having the conversation and like getting that dialogue started and understanding why, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What would you say, um, do you have, I heard you say, I don't do roller sets, I don't do relaxers, or you haven't in a while. Do you prefer to service a certain type of clientele over the other? I don't, okay. um, I've actually, 100% of my ethnic clients have moved away from relaxers. So they get a blowout. Right. So we don't even have a sit under dryer in my salon. Okay. Like, you know, a little sit. So you uh, can't even, you know, could you do can't even you come to. in and get a roller set. Okay. You know, um, but I don't particularly care for one or the other. My time is probably the most precious thing ever. And if it's going to take me way too much time, and I tell you my price for my time, I don't want any questions. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Do I have to spend a, a little bit more time on my ethnic clients that have 4C hair? Yes, I do. But they're going to pay for it. That's right. And they know it. Hair to me is if you have the basic foundations, because even the schools don't teach us the basic foundations. If you have the basic foundations, like in makeup, mm -hmm. like in hair, if you can have that, everything else is basically custom. You're doing everything custom. Your haircuts, your hair color, it is a basic, it's a foundation. After you go outside of that foundation, that's custom. Yeah. It's to me it's 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 easy. And that's probably why I've not taken any more clients because right now I'm in a place that I want to do other things. Mm -hmm. And hair keeps me behind the chair. Mm -hmm. But I don't always want to be behind the chair right. on my feet all day. I mean, I have lots of children and other things that I want to do. So uh, it's just moving me on to where I need to be. Okay. Okay. 
But if you do a good blow, blow, if you do a good roller set or relaxes, I am a great referral. I am connecting people that do great in this. I'm like, here, go see this person. Mm-hmm. I'm big weaves. I send them to you. <laughs> I've, I've that, gotten some of them. Yeah. Or someone that that does things that I don't do. I'm okay with. Hey, here's yes. some money. If if it works for you, hey, it works for me. Right. That's how I'm always always be. I tell people I know my. Uh, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. Like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not your girl for a a perm rosette. Like, I'm not your girl for that. (laughs) I don't do, you know, the flexi. You know, there are things that I just, I'm not your girl if you want to be, um, I don't specialize in redheads. Finger waves? You know what I mean? No finger waves. I I can do it. I I did it to pass the state board, you know. But, um, and if I had to do it in a creative space, like, I could do it. But, uh, even I have clients that, you know, like they'll get pixie cuts. They want pixie cuts. I'm not your girl for that. Oh, I love you know, I, I'm just not your girl for that. Right. Like I can probably cut it and you'll be fly, but I can't, you not going to walk out here looking like Fantasia. <laughs> not when I finish styling it, because that's not my skill set, <laughs> you know? And there are some amazing stylists here in the area that that's where I think you should go. Because for me, it gives me anxiety to do something that, I just You're don't really practice and yes. exactly. Not saying that, That's but smart, it's, though. And I'm gonna tell you because I don't want you to waste your money. I don't want to waste our time, and you know, because I'm gonna probably take longer than I probably. Can. I, just, I, like you say, I'm in a space where I don't have to take any and everything, and mm-hmm. it's less. It saves both of us. Yes. You know. Um, would you say? I'm gonna get into. Um, a kind of difficult space. Um, Come on, speak plain now. Speak plain now. Let's talk about etiquette. Let's talk about etiquette. And I know that a lot of these things can be general, but there are some that are very specific to certain races. So you talked about how precious your time is. And I know that we have a thing called black people time. (laughs) (laughs) For lack of a better term. And I'm sure we have all experienced, and I know everybody else can be late to, but traditionally we have a tendency to run late. Now, I am a, t- I am a, oh, I can't stand nobody to waste my time. I can't stand nobody to be late. And I, I could really be a little bit more gracious, a little bit. But I just, I like, if I'm looking crazy, if you like five minutes late. Because uh, your appointment is a 50-minute appointment. Yeah. And so now we only have 45 minutes. And you know what I mean? So and you I, have clients after, after that. After that. It just throws your whole day off. But we, sh- I think from um, a traditional perspective is that usually we plan to be in the salon all day. I know when I grew up, you, you bring your lunch, your snacks, you bring your book, you know, whatever, because you need to keep yourself busy. So it's more of a cultural thing that, you know, it the, the salons and barbershops, um, I think, were our country clubs. It was where we met up to socialize. And you talk to, you know, and you learn things, and you might even buy. Got, you know, somebody coming in, selling Sell- plates mm-hmm. or selling something. But it was a social um, environment, you know what I mean? And that is what you knew it to be. And as I've, you know, gotten older and obviously become um, a stylist myself, things are changing. And so it's always very astonishing to me to hear other clients say how they are still 
experiencing sitting somewhere for hours on end. For no, when hours. you when you as a stylist know that there are other options now. Like there are people that are not doing that. Back when I was growing up, that that's what everybody's doing. You sit there for hours, so you can go to the next person, but you're gonna sit there just as long. You know, it wasn't much difference. But from a perspective of time, do you find that that is a stereotype? within one race or not necessarily? Well, I will say this, because my time is precious and usually working with the other race, they they, they have never heard of anything like that. Waiting over an hour is absolutely ridiculous. Right. I would lose clients. I've actually lost a client for something like that because I was running behind, but it was really because my time management was not good. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have good time management. And when people come in and, oh, I want to get a highlight and permanent color, oh, I need four, like either changing things, right. which add more time, and you're like, okay, I'm going to make that money. Mm -hmm. You know, because usually at the end of the day, that's what it was about. Right. Like, I needed the to make this dollar. money because if I get them in now, who's to say I'm going to get them in after they leave? That, that was kind of what it was. But there is no way my clients are going to wait over 15 minutes. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right. Waiting in the black salon, when I used to go to black salons, I kind of miss that now, but I miss the camaraderie. Yes. I miss the essence of just a bunch of black women in the salon. You know, you smelling spritz and, you know. <laughs> pump it up. Yes, pump it up. I mean, I miss that uh, because I work in a space with mostly white people and for me as a black woman I get excited honey when I go back in those spaces praying that somebody's gonna have a bootleg DVD <laughs> I'm like what you got for me so I mean I miss it but on a professional level I don't I don't play with that when it comes to time I heard Elaine say about um love supporting black women and black businesses and Will you speak on kind of your take when it comes to, you know, like we said, as far as just race and supporting each other and, you know, kind of what you were speaking on earlier mm -hmm. as far as race. That's so inclusion on all fronts. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a really beauty queen answer and I hate that <laughs> it's cliche, but when you operate, break that down for me. Yeah. Now. So inclusion in, in all spheres when it comes to education and and I'm saying when you find your passion and if this is if, if this conversation is catching you in a place where you haven't quite gained those years of experience or found that thing that just ignites that spark take education so seriously allow yourself to grow and learn and be open to all people mm -hmm. you know whatever their experience is that can't be something that makes you not want to work with them at least once. So there are certain communities where I'm like, I know we relate and I get you and we can talk in a way that we're comfortable and it's easy. And then there are some communities where we don't click quite as well. And, you know, I don't book as many of those weddings because it's almost when back in the day when, when I was a Mac artist, we, we did style stepping. Style stepping is when you, you approach a client in a way that you know is going to best resonate with them so you can't always go to the 46 year old client and then the prom girl and approach them in the same way in many different aspects of, right. of a service so just back to the root of it being able to take your craft a little more seriously 
and not get as um, involved in the psychology of cutting yourself off in a way that is based on these previous traumas as a pro and you know you mentioned it we're guilty of it sometimes too and I just have zero sympathy for people from a makeup front like you guys have hair which has so many different spectrums texture and type and when it comes to makeup anybody who sits down in my chair that that beauty look that base level I have zero sympathy for people that can't foundation match or choose not to become well-versed in, in knowing skin tone and color theory in that way so when it comes to outsourcing to other types, it might be because it's like special effects makeup or um, prosthetics, something like that. But for me, the lens of a makeup artist, you should be able to do that. And you should just kind of step to the side and become more of like a hobbyist if you don't plan on catering to everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's a little more ruthless from where I'm, I'm coming from with being a makeup artist who's really well-versed, but you have to take a bite into any kind of complexion that you can get from the beginning. So uh, I didn't realize until recently how subconsciously my journey was aligned with always staying out of my comfort zone and not trying to c cater to people that look like me because at the end it made me stronger, it made me more aware of the human experience overall and just a better business that could stand a little more firmly because there's a bigger pool to catch from. Um, and just my mind is a little bit more open to working with anybody and that's right. really refreshing and when you catch conversations from businesses that are black owned that just want to work with black owned that's something that grinds my gears so bad on a level of you're missing out like even if your client that you could refer me to would benefit the most from the services I have to offer because maybe I could speak to them in a way that would enhance their experience on a wedding day. Like you just choose not to book me. So that's something that you're holding out on for your client for some personal reason. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody's valid in those reasons, of course, but I still feel like there's a missing link in just not holding back for some reason, just based on color or something as superficial as that, you know? How do you feel about that, Elaine? Mm -hmm. You know, she's so politically correct over <laughs> here, child. I mean, when I say politically correct, I'm like, so when when Chastity was asking if you, like, for me, it doesn't matter what color you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to refer you to who I feel like is I best that for that. Completely. But when we say supporting black businesses, have you had a person where you couldn't do uh, their makeup and say, okay, well, let me refer you to so-and-so-and-so. No, and that's what makes our experiences differently. So when I mentioned like having that beauty look, as a makeup artist, I don't think that there's something that's out of reach when it comes to the tools that we have available to us to mix, to match, to stay inspired. Like as a makeup artist, I feel like there's not much of that gray area where I would have to outsource in that way. Well, if you're busy, let's just say you're busy. And right. You cannot take any clients, but we have this wedding sure. party of 12. Would your recommendation go to who? I mean, I try to keep it as honest as possible. And this is another one of those like specific answers where in the region we're in, in Charlotte, I feel like there's not a plethora of specifically makeup artists that have a lot of range. Mm -hmm. um, Atlanta's right next door, crushing it, mm -hmm. you know? So we're in a different market where I don't, ha I'm, I'm tr I try to be honest with my clientele, like, hey, what you're looking for, try these people first, check them out online. I might say, look at their Instagram, because 
I'm kind of a nicey nice person. I don't want to throw anybody else out there trying to get their check under the bus. Um, but <laughs> I'm not going to send a client I love somewhere where I know they're not going to be happy. And then they're not going to trust me in the future because I didn't give them a good reference referral. And I will say, um, I, from what she's saying as far as the referral basis and say like a wedding a lot of I mean in the world we live in today you have a lot of like interracial relationships mm -hmm. and marriages and things like that and so sometimes like as far as range is concerned Alyssa and I will get booked on jobs because we do have the background of doing both, both. Mm -hmm. whereas I know that's a huge concern it's like okay girl I know you can do black and I know you can do white but like can you do white hair you exactly. know what I mean and so I, I do get that but I think um maybe where you were going with the whole blacks uh, supporting like supporting black businesses is Alyssa are you saying that if we have Alyssa and we have Mary who skill wise are the same exact like in you know this the right. range just say price point is the right. same availability you know all, everybody is open for the job but one of them has the advantage in this case with the, with the experience that I had that was a little bit, I called it gnarly earlier, mm -hmm. um, where I just didn't get the job because I wasn't black. To me, it's a little bit of a bummer mm -hmm. because I think it should be an open casting call still to this day. You know, we're in a, a, the industry today, it should be a little bit more eyes wide open to allowing someone to express themselves in a service that they know they can do based on their qual their qualifications. And in this case, you're saying the qualifications are pretty much neck and neck. Right. Um, and to me, the way that I look at that situation is I just wasn't meant to have that job. Got it. You're saying it wasn't necessarily so that the, the playing field was level. It was just that, you know, they wanted to go with a black person, regardless right. of this the level. Right, this was a hypothetical. This was actually, this was an event um, I did earlier in the year, and it was... It was wedding planners that had come together to do some style shoot stuff, and there was many people involved, so I don't think I can call out one in particular. Um, and the conversation was had in the room after she had watched me do four or five faces, pretty flawlessly. You know, we had complexion down, everything turned out really well in that end, so I was delivering, and um, was she was making a conversation with some of her, uh, some of her coworkers and some of her peers that also plan and that if she can support black owned businesses, she always does. I respect that as a community. Absolutely. That's a choice. Um, and I don't have similar life experiences to have that kind of a tie into a community. So it's something that I'll never understand. So, but what I try to take out of it is an ignorance that allows for me to make decisions based on who's black, who's white. So I try to come at it from a point of who has the qualifications. So if you're saying she's a member of the community, my client is also black, I'll probably book her, you know? That's fine. I completely respect that. So I don't fight tooth and nail for experiences that... But would that, you feel some type of way, like in the previous hypothetical, that if everything was even and I'm booking my wedding and I chose to go with her instead of you because she's a black business and really skill wise everything else is how what how would you feel about that uh i would feel that it's almost irrelevant to kind of create that conversation in the way that we do still today i feel like it shouldn't even be something that's 
presented in some dramatic sense but would of you like, feel slighted i mean yeah absolutely a little bit does it cut me deep no it doesn't really cut that deep but the fact that it's still something currently that we're talking about mm -hmm. you know that you know hey and even if that conversation is had number one i think it was tacky to have that with me in front of you oh yeah absolutely. you know what i mean so even if there are a difference in agreements which i'm I try to stay a student in every aspect of life, you know, professionally with learning what I can do as far as makeup and business to always make it grow. But as a person, you know, just out there trying to not create waves and make people uncomfortable and just being open. Um, and because of the position I'm in where a lot of my clientele doesn't look like me, I'm, I try to stay aware of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I think the whole, um, I think if we go back and just looking at the meaning of black, supporting black-owned businesses, it comes from a long history of us being in the position oh, that you're sure. in, it, which is or, why I'm that hypothetical. I can't, I can't relate. Right. I can't well, relate. You, you may can't relate, but it's the. It's pro probably because it's so common. But like I respect it. It usually happens that way. Let that way. be known. I completely respect it. Yeah. And there is a long history there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I hope to create a space where, um, you know, I've, I have a lot of vendors that I work with that are also black. Mm -hmm. um, so many. And I try to jump from sphere to sphere, and I find that uh, the people that I usually align myself are very open to working with a lot of different other type of people. So um, I don't even have as many interactions with folks that are just staying mm -hmm. yeah in that small little zone you've proven you've proven your range and I your professionalism and i feel so. like sometimes as loyal as a, a journey as that is mm -hmm. do you know to kind of take everybody with you mm -hmm. and keep pulling everybody else up with you you're still kind of limiting yourself and like if maybe there's a white person who's looking at a black owned business they might not feel as welcome there you know what I mean? All so, the time. Yeah, and then there is that. If if that doesn't bother you, then hey, that doesn't bother me either. But just know you're missing out on maybe a full spectrum of other people out there. Right. Well, I I, I agree with what you're saying, um, but I think what what is missing is when they talk about black people supporting black small black businesses or black businesses. Period. Is we just never had the opportunity. <clears throat> and because we haven't had that opportunity, we're basically saying, you know what, you're going to have way more opportunities than than these people will. Right. Like when you, how you felt when someone went with the black person. You're right. Like, and I'm minute. not saying that movement isn't completely relevant or isn't so strong in what it stands for. And you know, absolutely, all all of that. It is a conversation to be had too in the beauty sphere, though, mm -hmm. that there are absolutely many groups that operate like that, yeah. which is. Just, it was, it's exactly what I said about the lady calling and saying she didn't want to go with me right. because she was, um, you know, not she didn't look like me. So There's it's exactly right. the same Adita thing. Von quote. It's um, you can be the ripest peach, but not everybody wants a bite. Amen. You yeah. know, and I look at that even in skill set. It is some skills that people just do not uh, possess that some of my white. Uh, stylist possess and I'm like this is the person you need to go to mm -hmm. even if they're a black person and they're like are you crazy I'm like trust me yep go to this person because referrals are to me the best thing you could ever have yeah in the space you that you're in that trust oh my god in referral. the space that you're in let's just say black people took all their black dollars and spent it with black people your business would be affected 
absolutely. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so when we say supporting black businesses because they haven't been supported like like they want to be supported i think that's kind of where we're coming from not to say oh well we don't want to go with her because you know she's not black it's just the support has never really right. been there and even on that level i don't take that personally because okay. i respect that journey that's mm -hmm. good. you know um how do you guys feel um and i know i'm going into like i say with the time but do you find like uh from a tipping perspective <laughs> <laughs> Honey, sometimes you just got to add that tip in, honey. <laughs> and that's what I was You got to add that tip in Back because it you, in. Know, you know your clients. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, because we work in the service industry, we just know. We just get it, okay? Oh, yes. To me, 20% is just automatic for me. Right. If it's a good service, even if it's an all right service, it would have to be a terrible, terrible service. I would probably always tip, but I wouldn't give that total 20%. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes our people, you know, it's, if it's $80, it's $80. Right. That's what you're getting, okay? That's what you're getting. Yeah. I will say um, that when I was younger and when I go to get my hair done, my mom would send me with whatever the amount was. Um, I would say my experience in learning that that is um, not necessarily the way it should be is that I think it when you – elevate to a certain, you know, socioeconomic status, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't think that my mom might have been being cheap. I just think that that was, we didn't know. That's all you know? she could afford. Listen, but this is how much it exactly. costs. And I, I mean, now she does, and I don't know where that changed it, but like I said, for me not being taught, but then later on understanding, which I'm sure I did before I ever worked in the service industry, mm -hmm. I just think it was something that came along with, you know, how I, you know, maybe even watched other people that I might have, you know, been around and how they, like, it was a lot. I think I didn't it's never, a learned experience. Yeah. And Absolutely, I, yeah. I definitely think that um, from our our perspective as service providers, that is something that, um, I don't know if you use Square, but you know how at the I end when you check out, you know, it has the suggested amounts, mm -hmm. you know, and you can adjust those or people customize it. But I think that um, I do the same thing. I, I, I probably try to overcompensate for the stigma that black people don't tip, you know, because it is something that, you know, I think a lot of us, maybe not out of like spite or negligence, just didn't know or don't know. Right. And also from a perspective of not working in a traditional salon and, and now being in a suite, people kind of look at it like, oh, oh well, she's getting all yes, of it. She's getting all. She doesn't have exactly. to split it. And I always wonder like, who are you to kind of divide up and figure out my expenses? You know what I mean? And I don't ever, I, let me just say this, I don't expect a tip, um, but... It's appreciated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Greatly appreciated. However, it is, I think it goes into the whole etiquette thing. You know what I mean? And um, I think along with the conversations that we are having already, that that is a part of the conversation that needs to be had. At, I mean, at timing is etiquette, you know, related tipping um you know mm, to refer <laughs> referring people I always tell people be careful who you you refer because you i'm going to you're going to be responsible, responsible for that person yep. so i think it all is a part of the conversation that um needs to be had and breaking down the boundaries that you know we are constantly having to you know deal with on a daily basis and um i think that you know this has been a good 
a good one. I think there's so many more to be had. So we are just there are many the, parts to yeah, this. Yeah, it's such a it's lots of <laughs> layers. Especially when you talk about race. Yeah. You know, race is real yeah. touchy. Because everything we talked about it, it's it's a backstory. You know, right. we're we're it touching is. the surface of it, but it's a backstory that, you know, has been a foundation that has been laid that we're trying to peel the layers off and try to, you know, resolve those issues. But I really appreciate you guys um, sharing your experiences and um, touching on this sort of a tough topic. So we might have to um, yeah, regroup. on part two. Yeah. I appreciate you having uh, And we're going we're gonna to have a little bit more diversity the next time because see, we just went black and white. But it's some it's some in yes, between it in there mm-hmm. that you yes, know deserves to be a part of that conversation too. So when we talk inclusion, I think that's another big thing is that we think you know we we kind of just are black and white. No, we're not just black and white. I mean, we're black and white, but it could be two white two white people that come different. from two total different socioeconomic backgrounds. Yep. Just like with black people. Yep. So it's Asian, huge. Oh my God, Africans. Yep. Because. Africans and African American. Yeah. Two totally. And that comes with a whole different stigma. Yes. So that that, that does. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap, and um, we'll see y'all next time.